Hi, thanks for joining our podcast at Renew Church OC, a church for imperfect people only. We have a special announcement. A small crew from our church and I co-authored a children's book series and journals that help people find their calling with profits going to the foster community. Our website just launched and we would love for you to take a look and do some Christmas shopping. I dropped our link and a special promo code for our listeners in the description section. This month, all eyes were on the election as people were hanging their hopes and nightmares on Trump or Biden. And 2020 has been defined by these waves of fears pulling at our attention, whether it's the pandemic, racial injustice, or Kobe dying. Yeah, I'm still hung up on that. Our sermon series, Refocus, is about putting our eyes back on Jesus instead of being fixated on these external events. I hope that as you focus on Jesus and the gospel again, you'll see the world through his eyes. Enjoy the sermon. All right. The things that I love sharing about most are my kids. So this first picture is of Levi. He's having cow's milk for the first time and if you zoom in he just looks really angry he doesn't know why he's getting like this cheaper version of milk but um levi's just been so fun he loves eating oftentimes he'll eat more than my four-year-old kid and we'll have to cut him off so he's just a chunky baby and i love sharing like how much he eats and then the second photo is of liam of course um holly bought him a pokemon watch so he put both of his watches on his sunglasses and he's just growing up so fast doing superhero poses so any opportunities i get those are the things that i love talking about i love uh, talking through politics i love talking about uh, volleyball and my hobbies and those are things that fill up my instagram Well, last week, we talked about Jesus taking on human nature to represent us in keeping the covenant with the Father so that in Christ, we can be holy before God. And we unpacked all of these really massive theological concepts. And then after I preached it, I was able to sit in with a Mihan small group, and it just meant so much to me how attentive they were and how impacted they were by God's word. Um, that Jesus would become fully human in order to make a covenant with the Father that is unbreakable, that he keeps on our behalf, and that we get to reside in that. And so when I think about all the most important things we have to share, all the most passionate aspects of politics or how much we love our family or a certain food, what is more important than sharing the gospel, right? That's, that's the challenge to the Christian. And that's the challenge that Jesus left his disciples. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, But you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As Jesus does this incredible act of becoming human to represent us, to die on our behalf, and to uh, be perfectly keep the covenant for us, after all that heavy lifting he does, he then commissions his disciples. He says, this is your mission. 
Tell people what I've done for humanity. Tell them that they have another representative, that they don't have to be in Adam sinning anymore. They could be in me and righteous. And he commissions his disciple with the most important work on earth. He commissions all of us. And then when you look at Acts unfold, it's in these rhythms of the gospel going into Jerusalem at Pentecost, the Jerusalem church swelling, people being added to their number day after day. And then persecution comes, especially in Acts chapter 7, where where Stephen is stoned to death. And as the persecution heightens, you see the Jerusalem church start to scatter into Judea and Samaria. And that's where chapter 8 begins, where Philip is in Samaria sharing the gospel, and all of these people are hearing about Jesus and coming to Christ. And not only does he witness with words, but in power as well. There's miracles that follows what he says to validate his words. And then at the end of chapter 8, we see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. We see an Ethiopian eunuch travel up to Jerusalem to understand more about this Yahweh, to worship him. And as he leaves, Philip and him um, encounter each other. He receives the gospel and carries it to the ends of the earth. You see, um, Ethiopia in the Jewish mind is the ends of the earth. If you took out an ancient map, Jewish map at the time, Ethiopia was literally at the very edge of the map. After that would be this, you know, if they believed in flat earth, they would just drop off. So it's cool to see how what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 unfolds throughout the first um, eight chapters of Acts. So today we're going to focus on Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and we're going to think about how to effectively share the gospel with the people around us. Again, I I just saw so many of you moved by the gospel as you understood it in a deeper way, as you understood how how Jesus, um, how we are in Christ, and how he is the one who makes the covenant, and we get to rest in that. And as you feel the security of your salvation, as you sit with your forgiveness and your hope in Jesus, to be in him. I want you to know that it's not just for you, but it's for others as well. It's for you and for you to share with others. And that's probably the most important thing we'll be doing on this earth is to let other people know that they can be in Christ as well. And so I've seen a lot of passionate posts about uh, racial injustice, about Trump or Biden, about wearing masks or not wearing masks. But if you're Christian, if you're Christian, your most passionate plea to this world, the thing that you love sharing the most, needs to be the gospel. How do we do that in an effective way? Well, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. You know, this little passage um, is, is a big deal because Philip was in Samaria and we see his ministry flourish. There's multitudes of people hanging on to his every word as he preached. And the most important people of church life at that time came to visit him. 
Peter and John came to see his ministry and further it. There was a revival happening in Samaria. And in the midst of revival, in the midst of his ministry blossoming, God calls him away from the city to where? A desert road where nothing's happening. It's, it's really hard to convert a cacti or, or a lizard, right? It's, it, there's just this sharp contrast between the comforts, um, the fame, the ease of a city, and the barrenness of a desert. When I think about what makes us hesitate in sharing the gospel, isn't, isn't it just that? Isn't this a perfect picture of why it's hard for us to share? That we're leaving our comfort zone. That we feel like um, it's going to be difficult or awkward or we might face rejection. Well, I think one of the things that comforts me is that I'm not the only one who feels that way. Every person in all of history has felt hesitant, fearful, awkward in uh, telling people about Jesus. And it's displayed here physically as Philip leaves the comforts of a city to go down this desert road alone. And I think sharing just feels like that. And then in in verse 27, the camera pans to this eunuch. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important officer, uh, official in charge of all the treasury of Kandrick, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, was sitting on his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, as we look at the Ethiopian eunuch and and focus in on him, we see a whole backstory unfold. He's living over a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, about a thousand six hundred miles. But somehow, he hears wind of Yahweh. Maybe the merchants brought these stories of who God was to the Israelites, how he plagued Egypt in order to free them. Maybe he heard stories of King David and Solomon and these whispers of of this God who gave a perfect law to a people that he was consecrating for himself. The big moves of the Old Testament, the big miracles wasn't just for Israel. It was for the nations around Israel as well. And this, this man in this nation far away heard about Yahweh and was moved. Moved to the point where he was willing to risk his life to travel to Jerusalem. Think about the internal work that God was doing in this man. The way that he was creating longing and curiosity and wanting something more than what he had. A greater purpose, a greater God. And so he travels about six months to get to Jerusalem. And traveling that far is putting your life on the line. You could die of exposure. You could die of dehydration. You could die if you run out of supplies. But also there's these vast territories where there was no government. There was no civilization. It was just people waiting to kill you and take your things. Many people didn't survive this kind of a journey. And But the eunuch, the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch felt like it was somehow worth um, leaving this really comfortable position in order to go find God. And it says that as he's in Jerusalem, he decides to worship Yahweh. It wasn't just to learn about more. It wasn't just 
inquisition or knowledge that he was after. He was after worship. And on his way home, he's acquired the book of Isaiah, which is it's very difficult to acquire scripture at that time. And he's reading the prophet. We think about all the ways in which God has already intersected in the life of the eunuch before Philip even got there. Philip wasn't the first person in the Ethiopian's life to introduce God to him. God was already there. And God is always already there. We're never the first person to share about him. You see, the the story of the Ethiopian eunuch isn't unique. It's, It's not just him. It's everyone. Everyone on earth and in history, God's taken their soul and placed them in a specific point in time in history. Over the 20,000 years we've been in existence, or 100,000, he places a person in that timeline. He places them in the location that they would live in for the purpose of them finding him. Where, Where we live and when we were born weren't random. God didn't randomly have someone go uh, be born in Australia instead of the U.S. or in China instead of Brazil. He places them with precision in that time, in that space, for the very purpose of finding him. Even where we were born, we were born there so that we would find God. The passage here in Acts chapter 17 explains that. It says, from one man, Adam, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Right? God marked out every person in the whole earth where, when they would be born, when they would reside in time and in boundary. Where? The location. God did this so that they might seek him, and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we move and live and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Isn't that a beautiful truth and concept? That God has reached out to every person through nature, through this general revelation of creation, The psalmist talks about him putting eternity in our hearts. So we have this external and internal revelation of who God is. And then he places us in the precise time and location so that we would find him at the beginning of our lives, but all the way through. You know, friend, if you're watching this video and you're just trying to learn more about the Christian faith, it wasn't an accident. God placed you in this time, in this place, so that you would find him. And God places everyone in their time and in their place so that they would find him. But what I love about verse 29 is that here God has this whole story for the Ethiopian eunuch and how he's journeying towards him and finding him from Ethiopia. And then he's calling Philip to leave Jerusalem so that they their lives can intersect. In verse 29, it says, The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. 
Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invite, invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Not only does God place each person in the exact time and place throughout the course of their lives to draw near to him, to find him, he places us in those times and places as well. He calls us to intersect in those same times, in those same places, so that we can lead people to the Lord after we have found him. And that's what he's calling Philip. He's asking Philip to go intersect with this Ethiopian so that Acts 17 can be fulfilled, so that he can find the Lord. I wonder if that's a lens in which you're seeing your life. When you're going to work, when you're at school, when you're with your family for Thanksgiving, or just hanging out with your friends, do you see them in that time, in that place, so that they can find God, so that they can draw near to God? And do you see how divine it is that you are there as well? That just like Philip, you are intersecting in that same time and place. The odds are astronomical that you would intersect with this person in your life. Why would you intersect with them? The primary reason is so that they could find the Lord through you. So when I go play volleyball, when I um, walk around my apartment complex, I'm thinking, man, God has them there today so that they can find him. And as I walk into that space, he has me there for that very purpose, right? I, the secondary reason of playing volleyball is to play volleyball, to exercise, to make friends. The primary reason is that God has them there to find him, to draw near to him, and has me there for the same reason. The secondary reason of walking around my neighborhood is to get some exercise, to teach my son how to ride a bike. But the primary reason is that someone is there because God wants them in that time and location to find him. And he's having me intersect their lives as well. I hope that if you believe Acts 17, that you would walk around with purpose, that you would have this lens that people are where they are because God wants them to find him. And that you are there to help in that process. In Acts chapter 29, the Spirit tells Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Of course, we interact with maybe dozens or hundreds of people every day. Probably not during a pandemic, but let's say after Pfizer's vaccine, right? We see a lot of people. And there is a sense that we can't, minister or share with all of them but I think if we have our ears towards the Lord as we walk into these spaces with that assumption that God has already is already reaching them has purposed them there we can say Holy Spirit who am I to go to who am I to stay near and there's people in your life that he if you listen to him has called you to be near to walk alongside of, to be close to. And so the Spirit tells Philip to go to that chariot and stay near it. 
When Philip runs up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, he asks, do you understand what you are reading? <clears throat> How can I, he says, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So as we are called to stay near people, as we are called towards people in their journey to find God, as we have that discernment, the second thing we do is we start asking questions. We ask questions because I think like, like Philip, we assume and believe that God's already working in their life, that we're not the first one on the scene, and we're trying to understand, God, what have you already done in their life and in their heart? How have you already revealed yourself? In what facets of your, their life are you already drawing them towards you? And how do I step into that? And we do that by listening before we speak, um, asking questions before we preach. We want to hear what God's done. And, and as Philip is asking this question, he reveals so much, right? He reveals that he's interested in, in this Jewish God, that he's reading the Bible already. I mean, he's given Philip so much information. But more than giving him information, he gives him an invitation. He invites Philip to sit up, sit to come up and sit with him. And as you are close to people and ask questions, as you are attentive to them, what you really are hoping for is that they invite you in to their spiritual journey. They invite you in to their life questions. They invite you in to their struggles, to their dreams, to their hopes. They invite you to speak. I'm always hoping that as I draw near to people, that I can have an invitation into those areas of their life and to sit with them there to to find the Lord with them from where they are um, you know I have I have a lot of stories one of the thing one of the ones that I love sharing is I remember going to a meetup group for volleyball we played at, at a, a park and um, I'd walk in and just pray as I walked in to play volleyball about 30 people I became friends with them we we would go hang out after volleyball at like 10 or go to birthday parties. They'd invite me. And I'm just praying, God, would you just open up a few conversations uh, with them? Allow me to invite them to church or allow me to share about you. And sometimes that didn't happen. Um, but every, every time I went, I would bring some renew um, flyers and just pray that I would be able to hand them out. Well, one time after volleyball, me and three other volleyball players were sitting on the concrete floor at the park. The lights shut down because it was past 1030. And we're just sharing about life. And as we shared, I got to bring up uh, my faith and my relationship with, with the Lord, invite them to church. And as I did that, one of the guys said, you know, I've been listening to Christian radio for a while. I, I grew up Buddhist, but for some reason, I just wanted to listen to sermons on Christian radio. I'm like, why don't you listen to me preach instead, you know? And then this other gal was like, I was looking for a church. I'm like, you should come to mine. And this other person was like, you know, I've been asking a lot of, a lot of uh, questions about God. I'm like, I'm here to answer them for you. It doesn't happen like that all the time. But that day was like a perfect day. I was three for three. Other times I... Um, 
like just at Halloween, a lot of kids in our neighborhood went trick-or-treating with masks on. And I'm hanging out with the parents and we're watching all of them run around in packs getting uh, candy. And then um, we're hanging out at a cul-de-sac after just talking about nothing, watching the kids bike and enjoying a really nice, a nice uh, cool night. And then one of the guys starts telling us about why he's using a cane, that he got in this really horrific car accident, which left him in a coma for about a, a month and a half. And as he goes into the story and talks about how close he was to death, I just started asking him questions about how that experience um, played into the way that he saw life. Did it change the way that he saw death and purpose? And we just kind of went into that arena of spiritual conversation. Um, there's a, a few slides as we think about how to start spiritual conversations with people. Because I think that we're pretty bad at it and we're kind of told not to do it. Um, but it's really important. And there's a lot of countries where talking about spirituality is part of the culture. It's, it's not awkward and, and it's important. And so people talk about these really important things. But I think in the U.S., we, we almost need to learn how to bridge conversations into um, things that have spiritual significance. So here's like a little flow chart that I, I created um, to really just kind of walk you through some of the ways in which I'm able to start a spiritual conversation. My favorite question is, what is your spiritual background, right? Um, I start asking about family. Um, you know, their parents are coming over for Thanksgiving. What's it like with their in-laws? And I'll, I'll throw in, hey, do you have a spiritual background? So I try to find a segue into that question. And it's, it's a great question because it doesn't really, um, it's not that personal yet right? It's, it's almost like asking about their kids or about what ethnicity they are. Um, so what is your spiritual background? And then they either say they're Christian or non-Christian. So if they say that they're Christian, then I ask them, was it just because it's your parents' religion or do you consider yourself a Christian, right? And if they say, oh, I, I see Christianity as my faith, mine, then I ask them, hey, do you have a church you're going to? And then if they don't, I invite them to renew. If they're going to church and, and we're bonding over our Christian faith, then I ask them, hey, like, maybe we can reach this community together. Like, how do we partner in order to think about Huntington Beach as our mission field? If they say it's not theirs, um, that it's their parents' religion but not their own, then I'll ask, what do you believe? Or why did you decide to leave the Christian faith? And it allows me just, again, to ask questions to see what God's already done in their life. What are, they, what are some of their obstacles? What are some of their interests? And it gets us really deep into that spiritual conversation. The second option is that they say um, they're non-Christian. Let's see. All right. If they say that they're non-Christian... Then I ask, uh, I ask what, what? So they might say they're uh, Islamic, or they might say they're uh, atheist or Buddhist. Um, their family background. Then I ask the same question: Was that just your parents' belief, or do you consider yourself, you know, Buddhist or agnostic? 
And if they say that that's what they believe for themselves, I'll ask them, tell me about your faith. Um, what, does, what does it mean to be agnostic or Buddhist or Hindu? Um, if, I was, if I was interested in getting to heaven as a Hindu person, uh, how do I get there? And I'll, I'll even ask them, is there anything that you don't like about your religion? And I'm not asking them because I'm um, trying to direct the conversation a specific way. I'm really curious about their spiritual walk. And, and even just opening up that whole segment of their life, um, out of that comes so many avenues for us to start relating in our, in our spiritual life and have those conversations. Sometimes they say, oh, my parents were Buddhists, but that's not my belief, right? Then I'll ask, what do you believe now? Why did you decide to leave the Buddhist faith? What are you looking for? And again, I, I just think um, we need almost like a tutorial on how to have these conversations because we've forgotten how to have conversations about things that are significant. So I know I was really brief on that, but I would love for our small groups, um, and we've already been doing these missional prompts, to kind of walk through that in detail and to learn, again, how, to, how do we have spiritual conversations with the people around us, believing that God's already working in their life, desiring to stay near them, to ask them questions, and to be invited uh, to sit with them. Well, in the next passage, in verse 32, it says, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with this very passage of scripture and told him, the good news about Jesus. I love verse 35. As the, the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch was sharing this passage that he was reading, it says Philip began with this very passage. And we need to begin where people are. And I think that's why when we have these deeper conversations about people's faith and belief systems, it gives us a starting point. We know where to start the conversation. We know where to begin um, in sharing the good news of Jesus. And then lastly, we have um, the last section of this verse says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he began to order, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I think we have this assumption that um, people who aren't Christian are all like, you know, hardcore, anti-Christians like and want to pick fights. And there are people like that. And there's usually hurt and reason uh, for why people are angry. But I found that there's such a huge spectrum of people um, who are outside of the Christian faith. And some of them are just inches away like this eunuch. Some of them are just like one invitation away from receiving Jesus. One of the things I loved about campus ministry was at the beginning of the year, we would just um, approach people and ask them to fill out surveys. And on the survey, it would ask, if God was 
real, would you want a relationship with him? Or how interested are you in the Christian faith? And the scale would be from 1 to 10. Did you know the majority of students that filled out that form would put 8, 9, or 10? That when, when I surveyed over the years hundreds of college students and looked at thousands of surveys, the majority of people are interested in God. The majority of people are open to those conversations. They, don't, they just don't know how to get there. And honestly, a lot of Christians don't know how to get there either. But there are so many people who are asking, what happens after I die? Is there a greater purpose to life than what I'm fabricating? What do I do with my worst moments? Do I just keep feeding homeless people till the guilt subsides? I mean, we have some really amazing, we have this amazing gift that God's given to you and me. Think about all the things that the Christian faith means to you. What it means to never be alone. To always know that Jesus is next to you, loves you, accepts you, forgives you. If you were to strip that away, what would your life look like? That same gift God's put in your hands um, to, gift, to give to the people around you. That same gift he's, he's asked you as you intersect in the time and place of other people with, in, in divine appointment that you would have boldly start conversations, boldly enter into uh, this religious space in order to share the gospel. You know, I love... Um, hmm. I don't... Oh, there it is. <laughs> I love Cruz's definition of evangelism. It says, success in witnessing or sharing the gospel, is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. I think there is something so freeing about knowing that as I interact, as I intersect with people, I, my job isn't to convince them uh, to become Christian. That's, that's the result. And that's the result that only God and them um, are accountable for. My job is just to initiate. My job is to see that they're here in this time and location because God wants to draw near to them. And I'm, my life, my time, my location, this moment, he's called us to intersect. You know, so I gave the adulting journal um, to a barista at... Bodhi, which I've talked to many times and hoping that a conversation would open up as she starts to read and write. I gave one to my neighbor who I've walked around the neighborhood with and they love Liam and my kids. I gave them uh, called to be healers with Jesus. I know they're not Christian, but it just, again, we're intersecting. And how do I open up these conversations? I've taken volleyball players out to brunch to, to say, man, like, I care about your soul. <laughs> What's your religious background? How can, how can I listen and, and, and receive this calling to walk next to you and bring Jesus into that? There was this um, last story before we end the sermon today. I, I was uh, coming home from D.C. I did a retreat out there, 
in Washington, D.C., and um, probably eight or nine years ago. And um, all of us got kicked out our, of our airplanes because it was overbooked. Remember when airplanes used to be overbooked and you get kicked out sometimes? Oh, lifetime ago. And um, anyways, they, they, get, they put us into this other line for customer service and everyone's really mad. And basically, they, they're going to put us on the next flight the next day and we're all going to be at a hotel room. And so I'm standing in line. Like all of my plans are messed up, right? But in front of me are these Chinese people from China, and they were talking and trying to figure out what's going on. It, it was hard for them to understand, like, you know, why an airplane would kick them off when they already bought tickets. And so I'm starting to explain stuff to them, like, oh, you know, like sometimes they overbook for money and then they just treat their customers poorly. And, um, and then I start navigating them through getting their new tickets, getting their hotel vouchers. And as we do this, I... Um, and, and I get to know them, they tell me that they're basically delegates from China. So there's this big province in China that they're representing, and they're talking to mayors and um, congressmen in order to create international relationships, whether it's business or, pol or policy. So just these really important people, um, the governor, and then there's like a, a police chief, their most wealthy businessman, um, the director of education and the person who runs the media. So that was their team and an interpreter. And, sh and I was communicating primarily through her. So as they were sharing what they did, and I told them I'm a pastor and we're trying to navigate this whole airline situation, God just put in my heart to be near them, that this was the chariot I'm supposed to run, run next to. And, and it was, right, I would have never met them if that whole plane debacle didn't happen. But God had them there and had me there for a specific purpose. So I was just super intentional. We took the same cab to the hotel. They invited me to have um, a dinner with them. So I sat with them. I shared about being a pastor. All of them had taken lessons on Christ the Christian faith, trying to understand it from a governmental perspective, how they were to interact with this religion because so many Chinese people had become Christians. So they were asking me, um, questions on the Christian faith, which is really cool about the Old Testament, about the New Testament. We were having these great conversations. And then the next day, I had these plans, but I canceled them. And I just hung out with them as we landed in LA. Um, again, because I felt like the Spirit was leading me to walk next to them. So we went to Universal Studios. They bought me a ticket. We went on one ride. We left, and then we went to downtown LA, um, Hollywood, uh, the old Hollywood theater, and we started going shopping. Um, they wanted me to bargain with the people at Gucci, right? So I'm trying to get them like $50 off of a Gucci bag, and one of the ladies was really mad that they wouldn't bargain with us. And then finally, we're at dinner. And this is pretty much the last opportunity I have to hang out with them. And, um, and I had built some trust and rapport and helped them bargain for Gucci bags. And I just felt the Lord say, you know, share the gospel with them. So I, I sat next to um, the governor who didn't speak much and didn't speak directly with me. He would always speak to someone else and they would talk to me. Um, and I sat with him and I said, Hey, I have a favor. I have a favor to ask you if that's okay. And he's like, yeah, what, what do you, what do you, what would you like me to do for you? He's probably thinking something business or, uh, something in China. And I said, what would you allow me to pray for the meal today? 
And he said, okay. So we all closed our eyes. And I basically shared the gospel uh, through my prayer. And I blessed them. And I uh, ex extended an invitation for them to know the Lord. Uh, halfway through dinner, I noticed that the guy I was closest to, he was the media guy. He walked out to, to smoke. So I walked out too, and we're wrapping up dinner. And I was just talking to him. And he said in Chinese, Wilson, I've, I've wanted to go to church for a long time. Um, I know Christians, they're good people. You know, I'm retiring in a few years. And the day after I retire, I'm going to go to church. And then I shared again the gospel with them and we prayed together. And it was like an amazing adventure. And then after we prayed, we looked up and the translator came. She was younger. Um, I related to her because of language and age. And he looked up at her and he asked her, what, what do you think happened right now? And then she, and she was a little you know, taken aback because Christianity is very sensitive uh, for especially Chinese government officials. And she's like, oh, I don't know. Kind of like I didn't see anything. And he said, um, it wasn't just two men talking. It was a man and a prophet. And it wasn't just a man and a prophet. It was God speaking through his prophet to this man. And I just thought about what an amazing moment that God had already been working in this person and all of them, just like he worked in the Ethiopian eunuch. But what a privilege it was for him to have us miss a plane flight so that our time and our space could come together. How he would draw me to him th through his spirit and give me the courage um, to walk alongside of them, to ask them questions, to build trust, and to share the gospel. Um, you know, there's times where I just hand out a journal. There's times where I just say, hey, I, I know you're having a hard time um, getting pregnant. I just want to pray for you. And then there's times where God takes you on these mind-blowing adventures with people that you shouldn't be talking to. But if you're willing brothers and sisters, to believe, because scripture says it, that people in your life, in the, in the mundane of Mondays and Tuesdays, are at that specific time and place, because God's placed them there, to find him, to draw near to him. If you're willing to believe, because scripture says so, that he's also placed you there, not just to work, not just to play, not just to uh, pace your neighborhood, but to intersect with them so that they can find the Lord. I believe that there's great purpose and adventure that will be interlaced into every part of your life. No matter what you're doing, no matter what day it is, no matter whether you feel stuck at a job or you're thriving, no matter if your airplane gets delayed or you're, or you're running fast um, from one place to another, God has you intersect with people with a deep purpose. And I hope and pray that you would open your eyes to know that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and he is praying for you. Jesus is saying, I'm praying for harvesters to open their eyes, to see the harvest. Father, we just thank you so much for this church. 
I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters and how you've given us eyes for the city, eyes for the disenfranchised. And I pray that you would give us eyes for people we see and are with every day. That we would know that it's with purpose you've placed them in our lives. You know, over the last few weeks in our small groups, I didn't know how to say this through our missional prompts, but I just really wanted us to have our eyes open to the people around us. And for us to have our ears to hear you call us, just to a few, to walk next to, to run next to, to ask questions to, to bring you uh, toward. Lord, would you, would you help us as a community um, to take your gospel, this covenant that you had made for the Father and that we are in, and to invite invite other people to be in you, Jesus, to be in you. We love you. We're so grateful for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.